Hi everyone. Um, just waiting to see if my amazing co-host is going to join. We are having a few connection issues, um, so just um, um, checking that everything is all good. Ah, um, oh, brilliant! And we have Anne. Hello. Hi, Wush. How are you? Oh, this is exciting. I am. Not <laughs> I am excited. <laughs> well, I'm. I'm even more excited because well, no one needs to know this, but I'm using my mobile phone for the first time um, to do the podcast. Because normally, when I do the podcast live remotely, I'm using my laptop, and then my guests are having to use their smartphone. But today, mm -hmm. I'm using my phone. Brilliant. Um, boring fact. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Anne. Um, welcome to Thank you. Bullshit. Really great to have you with us. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Hi, everyone, for listening. I am, um, yeah, obviously, you know me. My name is Wush. It, this is Rainbows and Bullshit. And I am joined. I'm really excited for this session because we finally got there, haven't we, Anne? We finally <laughs> um, have, yes. <laughs> we were talking about having you on the show for a while, and I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, so I'm joined by the incredible Anne Kesselet. Um I I know I'll do a little bit of an intro. I, I know Anne, and and I'll give it over to you. So I'm sure you've got more to say about yourself, um, as many people do with introductions. Um, so I I know Anne. Um, God, it feels like a lot longer actually, Anne. Doesn't mm -hmm. it? That we that then I actually do know you. I I, I met Anne, I had the 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 pleasure of coming across Anne um, late last year. Uh, where I was doing some specific work with the consultancy um, with with the RSPB in in some of their diversity and inclusion work that they that they were doing, and then yeah, I just um, obviously met with the incredible Anne, who's now actually you know my mentor, one of my mentors, and I yeah, I honestly feel like I've known you a lot longer. So <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> Um, Anne is the Executive Director of People for the RSPB, um, but I'm going to let Anne introduce herself to you all. So over to you, Anne. Well, first off, thank you for that lovely introduction, Wish. Um, <laughs> no it's been, uh, I, I know what you mean. It, it feels like we've known each other a lot longer. I think it's its fair to say we hit it off pretty pretty well straight off, <laughs> we didn't we? <laughs> I think we're kindred spirits there, Wush. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and I just um, love your... Um, your sort of passion and enthusiasm and you know what you see is what you get and I think that that's pretty much me as well so yes. uh, so it's been it's been great and it's been a real privilege to be able to um to uh, mentor you as well but uh yeah so thank you and thanks for the invitation to do the podcast um as Wush says I'm currently um Exec Director for People at the RSPB, which is a environmental conservation uh, charity uh, in the UK. And I have the wonderful privilege of um, having responsibility for the, um, the, the support of, of the RSPB's people, which is uh, our volunteers and our employees. But um, I feel very passionate about a lot of things, um, but one of them is about well-being, um, which is what we're going to talk about today, isn't it, Wush? Absolutely. I'm, yeah, I'm so excited for this conversation because um, we were talking about kind of the themes and kind of what we want to talk. We, we have so much. We could talk about so much, couldn't we, Anne? We um, could. Between us, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're a straight shooter. I, I, you know what? I Honestly, I mean, we've talked about this, haven't we? And I've been like, I'm really inspired by just how um, authentic you are. Um, I know you want to talk about authenticity and we will mm -hmm. definitely in, in, in leadership, but I really, I really gravitate towards people who bring 
you know a sense who who get who I get to see because I am as you know I'm I'm uh, I'm very you know I'm I'm a big believer in authenticity and mm-hmm. I like to think that I um put myself across to people in a way that you know is 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 authentic um so I'm really excited um to have this this talk with you um so I'll st- I'll kick us off I'll ask you a question Anne mm-hmm. so it's been a bit of a journey for us all hasn't it covid good old covid oh, yes and, yes <laughs> uh, everything changing and wars now raging in, the, in uh, europe and all sorts of political polarization everywhere you go um what's that journey been like for you as a well, i guess as a person and as a leader really mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, it's been quite unbelievable really i mean we use the word unprecedented um mm. and extraordinary times almost overused it to that yeah. it really has been true and i think that you know when when covid first arrived well and particularly lockdown i think is probably what i would, would talk about back in march 2020 you know it was an incredibly unsettling and anxious time for people uh mm. because we didn't well from a from a personal health perspective because we yeah. were early on you know you thought if you caught this thing you were going to die didn't you so it was that worry um and then you had the it was on the news 24 7 um you know schools were closing people were being sent home from work you know furlough um people were worried about losing their jobs um people were being forced to stay in their homes um and and you can it was just from a from a mental health and a physical health point of view um it was a really incredibly unsettling time so i think that um how an employer responded to that and how individuals responded to that was going to be absolutely key and Mm. i can honestly say that i've I have to be careful how I say this because I, I appreciate that so many people have been really, have lost their lives or been negatively affected by COVID. But I feel quite fortunate that I've come out of the pandemic well, you know, in terms yeah. of that. But I took some really, you know, positive um, steps myself to maintain my own well-being, mental and physical, mm. and really prioritise that um, for our people at the RSPB as well. Um, so, I, you know, I think that it's been unsettling and a tough time, but I think there's a lot to be learnt from it all. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, what are those? So talk to me about the steps then. Um, obviously, I, you know, we've talked extensively about mm-hmm. how you've managed it, but I think it'd be great for listeners to know. So what were some of the steps that you took, I guess, both, personally for you um and and then professionally in terms of some of the the Mm. work that you did for for people at rspb so i think that the thing i would say is that a lot of employers uh will tell you that oh yes we take our um employees (laughs) well-being seriously but you can't just talk the talk you've got to walk absolutely and this is where it really came to the fore so you you know you often see company websites or policies or manifestos about how people embrace well-being flexibility but actually yeah. it, it isn't really in the everyday um, operations if you like and for me and I think it goes back to what you said before Wash about being authentic for me it was the first thing we want we decided that we wanted to prioritize the well-being of our people yeah and, and we put our mouth where our you know where we put our actions where our mouth yeah and put your money where your mouth and, and for me that was very much about role modeling so as a leader and remember we're working in a remote environment this time so yeah. as a leader um throughout this period i was regularly doing um 
video blogs, not quite the podcasts, um, but <laughs> video blogs um, from my garden initially. And oh. then as I was allowed out a bit more, you know, from the local park, quite often I was doing them uh, walking the dog. In one case, I actually did it on a bike. Um, and I was, so I was video, you know, sort of these regular communications with people about the pandemic, uh, what was happening, what the organisation was doing to respond, what we were doing to support people. But importantly, I wanted to sort of demonstrate to to our people that I was also taking my own well-being seriously. And, and one of the things that I was that I did, which sounds really small, but it was significant, was I took a break, a decent lunch break every single day yes. and i'm not talking about 20 minutes you know wolf down a sandwich you know yes. an hour to two hours every day i mean i'm still doing work you know but it was yes. taking that break in the middle of the day going for a ride going for a dog walk just putting getting away from the screen and i was yes. really really um vocal um about that um, and to show people that, you know what, if I'm doing it, if she's doing it, the executive director's doing it, mm. I, I need to be doing it too. And what I would say as well is that you have to be disciplined. I think it might yeah. be easy for people to say, well, she could do it because she's an executive director. And it was actually tough originally because you felt guilty. Isn't that yeah. bizarre? Yeah, I get you. felt guilty about having a lunch break. And once you get over the guilt um, and once you get over the, you know, you organise your diary, you let people know what's happening with your diary, you're available in the other times, but you organise your diary and hopefully that passes on so that people can take that opportunity and take their well-being. And I can honestly say to you, it made the most huge amount of difference for me. It yeah. really was, I needed it for my sanity and my my mental well-being and you know it was really important to be that sort of role modeling authentic leader absolutely and and there's so many um there's so many great things that you've said in in, in that in that statement and i guess so some of the questions so i've got a, a, a good one or a key question now you said you touched on this you said you felt a sense of guilt and you talked yes. about being an executive director and and how that was can you talk me through that because i i mean i i get that i get that yeah um but talk me through that in terms of being a senior leader in your organization having to um lead right um mm -hmm. in the in this period of, of great uncertainty and change and how how was that in terms of as a as an executive director you know and how were other directors approaching it? and did you see any um like what 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 how did that how did that work from a leadership perspective for you mm -hmm. so i think that the reason that i would say guilt and and i and i feel shame saying that because actually we we already had you know focused on well-being at uh, the organisation at the RSPB I was at, um, but I never practised it. You know, mm. I, I went, when I was in the office, I I was one of those people who had my sandwich at my desk yeah. and, and didn't have that break. And I was very conscious that I was not practising what I was preaching, um, mm. to be honest with you. And I think that, um, so for me, um, there was still this culture that it's all about presenteeism as opposed yeah. to outcomes. And this is what is really important. It's not about 
how many emails you send or how many meetings you go to. You, we should be looking at our our results, our outcomes, what we're actually achieving. Not, you know, not taking pride in sitting and saying I've been sitting at my laptop yeah. in continuous meetings since seven a.m. We mm. need to sort of change that narrative. Mm-hmm. And 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 the next time someone says that, say, well, actually. Is that good? You know, yeah. you know what? Why have you doing? Change the narrative to being positive. To say, you know what? I've taken a really good break today, and I've really recharged my batteries, and I feel energized, and I feel productive. Yeah. And and I think that it was it was changing that narrative, and and I was hoping that with me doing it and me being so vocal about it, was that it was allowing other people to see that actually. We're not just saying it, we mean yes, it. Absolutely. We want you to take a break yes. um, and we want to, you know, it, it's not healthy for you it, It's it, and it's going to be, you know, it's just going to wind you down and, and, and stress you out and burn you out. So I think for me as a leader, it was really important to, as I said when I started off, I needed to walk that talk, not yeah, just talk absolutely. that talk. And, you know, and that was for me, I mean, we did other things as well to support well-being and resource. I can talk about those as well. But on the leadership side of things, um, I hoped that I sent a really positive role modelling message. Um, and I, I'm again, I'm going to say, I'm not saying it was an easy thing to do. You have to be disciplined. You have to manage your diary. You have to uh, be thinking about what meetings you're saying yes to you have to be to be continually having your laptop on and sending responding to an email every time someone says you something you need to work smart it's not that sort of work hard it's work smart isn't Uh, it yeah absolutely there's those are some really great points and i like that i love the term change the narrative (laughs) because you you could apply that to so many (laughs) different um different areas in work to date i'm gonna ask a question do you think the pandemic is over <laughs> oh I, well i think it is i'm going to say that i mean that's not to say that covid doesn't isn't still around yeah and funnily enough i had my fourth covid booster only on friday so oh, wow, it, okay. will, it will be around for some time and mm, we will need mm. to um, as employers, as as individuals, we will need to work around that and live with that. And that's going to be some challenging times ahead because there's still a lot of anxiety and, and fear by people. But in terms of the worst part of the pandemic and particularly yeah. the lockdowns, okay. I think, um, and the isolation, the social isolation mm-hmm. um, that, that was very, very, um, you know, huge during that period, um, I I'm, I'm saying that the, the pandemic is over and I'm hoping that, you know, uh, that we don't, I don't think we will as a society, but I think we need to really learn. There's so yes. much to learn from this pandemic. It's been mm-hmm. terrible, but hopefully we can take a positive and learn something from it and not just, you know, I keep talking at work about the rubber band, just the rubber band reverting back to its original, you know, rubber band. We have to actually not revert back to how it was back in yeah, March 2020. Yeah. We need yeah. to build on the positives. Um, yeah. And I think there has been positives. If I wish, I think there have been positives and really turn that around for the future. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I fully agree. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, um, so obviously we've seen... Um, 
recent comments made by our by our government recently <laughs> in <laughs> I don't want to get I know, I know where you're going view, I know you, I know, well I know where your view is oh my gosh, I can enjoy this but like you know oh um get back to the office basically is the narrative isn't it and um some comments that have been made around you know there's there's, more, there's lots of distractions in the house and um various comments to that effect I guess what's your view on some of those um comments because that is you know that is you know all jokes aside I think many people will probably and, and listeners probably will be um anxious about about you know the future because mm-hmm. of, I guess some of these comments that are being made so I guess what's your point of view on that well I mean I, I I've been quite vocal about this I suppose I mean first off I would say that um, as I said before we should be we should be looking at outcomes and results, not presenteeism. Just because someone's yeah. sitting at their desk from nine to five, Monday to Friday, doesn't mean they're being productive. Um, as we <laughs> already know, we already know that. It just means they're there, doesn't it? Actually, it should be, we should be assessing uh, an employee's performance based on their the, the outcomes and the results that they're doing from their work. And so I think this obsession with the office um, is hopefully a narrative that is slowly changing because mm-hmm. it, it, there's lots of positives, um, you know, to be had. Having said all of that, I also am a big believer in the value of being in the office yeah. and being with your workmates. And I think that I'm not saying this is a, you know, you have to be the same maybe Monday to Friday, nine to five, the same. But I do believe very strongly that, and I guess I would as a people director, wouldn't I? But there is enormous value to be gained by coming into a workplace. I mean, personally, I enjoy it. I get energised by it. But coming into a workplace, um, having those collaboration discussions, um, seeing other people, sharing ideas, sharing, yeah. you know, and, and having those bouncing ideas of each other and having those conversations and discussions that, quite frankly, you probably wouldn't have on Microsoft Teams yeah, or on email. And, yeah. and that not I'm not just talking about the social side because there is that as well, but also just those in the office conversations that we don't have. So I, I'm hoping that going forward we can truly be hybrid. So I think it's probably not going to be everybody has to be back to the office full-time or mm. part-time. Hopefully they're working, we're more embracing of part-time but and not being at home all the time either because I think there is definitely value in both. So yeah. I'm hoping that we can find a really good hybrid way forward and I think that's my personal view is that's um, that would be ideal, the ideal arrangement. I yeah, I, I, I agree. I I do. Um, actually, it was really interesting about that particular point about, especially our social uh, connection. Um, I do you know Brene Brown? No. So Brene Brown is a prolific um, campaign. I'm going to spread the word. I feel like I've, I've converted one of her disciples. <laughs> Like, honestly, every space I'm in now, I'm just going to be like, if you haven't heard of her, please go and research her, find out. She's great. I I downloaded a book that she um, has just released, and it's called Atlas of the Heart. And Mm -hmm. it's a really fantastic um, book. So if you are looking for something to to get your teeth into and you're looking for a great book recommendation, I promise you with every fibre of being, 
like put, make that book is fantastic um and it's what because what it is is it, it basically she goes she's oh she's brilliant like and she's so good she goes through all of the emotions and the words we use to describe it and its language and it's basically equipping people with the language that's that to be able to describe experiences which you know is so powerful um but one of the things that she was mentioning was loneliness and we she was talking about and this was really i found this really eye-opening she said that there was a, a meta-analysis of, of loneliness from a clinical perspective from so from a medical perspective mm-hmm. and she said said that uh, there was all sorts of risk factors in terms of, uh, you know, uh, um, death, really, like, you know, um, kind of um, life-threatening illnesses or fatal um, like things that happen, like heart attacks and things. But loneliness increased um, the possibility of these illnesses by 45%, mm. which is insane. That's like nearly 50%. And I know loneliness, because this year's Mental Health Awareness Week, the theme was, was loneliness, wasn't it? So... Yeah. Absolutely. I can honestly say, I mean, that sounds fantastic. I'm definitely get that, getting that on order. But I think oh, that I it. can honestly say that, you know, I totally agree with that. And I think this was, I've been reading, as you might imagine, lots of studies about the effects of the pandemic. But that social isolation, that loneliness that so many people felt. Yeah. Um, and we're, I think we're going to not really understand the impact of that for many years to come, actually. Yeah, and I think that different people react in different ways. I mean, I'm definitely energised by other people. but And I was fortunate and then I have a family. I wasn't living on my own, so I had people around me. But, you know, I, I've talked to many people who were living on their own during the pandemic. And some of them hadn't seen, particularly in the early stages when we weren't allowed to even see other people, was you know they they were um really suffering with that and yeah. when we when we when they were still saying you know you still need to work from home if you can we were trying to be quite open to people to say actually come to work if one of the reasons that you need to come to work to be in an office i mean and when i say come to work i mean be in the office at work um was because you you either didn't have the right you know bandwidth at home or whatever it might be or, or set up but also because you felt socially isolated or wasn't good for your well-being then we will classify you as being um, okay to come into work that's perfectly legitimate Um, so really acknowledging and recognizing that this was a real issue for many many people Um, and also the other thing is even if some people are saying, oh, I love working from home and I never want to go back to the office. You know, that that's another thing. But but actually, you how where is that connection? I think with you've got to feel a connection, I think, to other people, to your work colleagues. And if, if you've got a relationship with work colleagues that you've established over many years, it will survive a pandemic. It will get you through. But if you've not had that work relationship, if you're a new employee or whatever, then you haven't got that to sort of fall back on. You you yeah. need to have those times with someone to build those relationships. And the other people I felt sorry for during this period was young people. I mean, mm. I think back to when I started work yeah. uh, many years ago now. We won't say how many years, but <laughs> many years ago, I mean, all my friends were from work. We had a social time at work. Yeah, there was a social I, you know, element. And it yeah. was a social element to work. And, you know, you made – and I've still got friends now all these years later who I met at work. Yeah. And I think as you get older, maybe there's less of a need to, to do that. But for young people, 
um, you know, quite often we're living in shared homes and things like that, yes. you know, being sort of having to sit at home. Um, and, and so that's why I do think there is a place to have uh, still have workplaces and still have opportunities for connection um, and, and collaboration and face-to-face, -face, you know, is really important. And, and the example I use is that if you, as soon as we were allowed, you know, when we, can you, how many parties did you go to online, whoosh, when it was oh, locked down? Oh, you know, the old cocktail parties online, you know, they soon yeah. became a bit boring, didn't they? But as soon Zoom as. Zoom ones. They yes, were just, they were Zoom, just, it was actually Zoom more depressing. parties, yeah. And, but as soon as you were allowed to um, meet other people again, we started going back to having retirement parties and leaving parties and, and didn't we? And why did we? Yeah. Because. We know it's not the same online. So no, I think it's that, really that was not. evidence for me, yeah. Uh, 100%, absolutely. Right. I remember those parties, those Zoom parties at the start <laughs> of the pandemic. My God. I mean, I actually felt like it was, it was even more depressing than, like, not having anything to begin with because you're like oh oh and then someone's about to say something and it's like oh eric eric oh oh eric we lost you and it, oh, it, was, it was just you're on you're mute sat, you're on yeah mute. oh you're on mute that that phrase that i think you know we're all probably gonna take with us and like the um and the fact is that you're you know you're having a drink and he's like oh you're trying to be social but you're very aware of that you're having a drink physically on your own in the room like even though it's yeah. I mean, we did it because we didn't have, I think the point is no, we absolutely. did it because we didn't have any alternative. But as soon as we were, um, it was okay again to have that face-to-face, -face, everyone went back to face-to-face. -to -face. And, and I think that's because as human beings, naturally, not everybody, but naturally, you know, we're, we're social beings, aren't we? And, um, yes. and I think that for, for employers going forward, it's finding that, balance between you know the off you know the workplace and home and what works for individuals but also maybe reassuring and supporting people who are um maybe nervous to come back into that sort of work mm -hmm. environment because it's been so long for some people I mean I was talking to someone and, and that you know it'd been two years or something that they hadn't yeah. actually been into the workplace and that that must be incredibly daunting yeah, to have to go back in, mm -hmm. absolutely. I, 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 I'll so I agree. I fully agree with that I, I joined my organisation at the end of January twenty twenty. So I, I, I had well, just over a month, I guess, um, mm -hmm. before um, you know lockdown, and um, it was one of the most isolating um, times of my life. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think when I was thinking about loneliness, and I think you know we don't say it enough, do we? Like you know, I'm feeling lonely because there's a lot still of shame associated with saying that you're lonely. Um, yes. And, you know, I think that's something that we, um, well, it's something that I think of quite regularly, actually, mm. now living on my own, actually, because um, I guess there's a difference, isn't there, between being alone and being, being lonely. lonely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. And I think know. that this is why I talk about changing the narrative. And, you know, as an employer, we, we, when we talk about mental health, we need to put the, the, the building blocks in place that actually support that so that people feel able to talk about it. Yeah. So it's, it's a normal part of the conversation. When you're having a one-to-one -one with someone, you're not just talking about is that report finished, is that task done. It's actually yeah. how is your well-being? How do you feel? Yeah. What can I do to support that? So it becomes a natural part of that conversation as opposed to, 
we we pay lip service to it you know to really yeah. really talking about it as you say to talk about these things that you know were were uncomfortable you know even you know 10 years ago or even probably less than 10 years ago people didn't talk about it in fact you know, it was shame. You were made to feel shame for yeah, it. You were depressed absolutely. or lonely or, yeah. goodness forbid, you said you were stressed. You know, that, know. that was a shameful <laughs> thing, you know. And it sort of implied that you were weak in some way. Mm. And actually I think that one of the things I hope that will be positive coming out of the pandemic is that we are talking about this much more, aren't we? And yeah, I think absolutely. this is where we need to build on it going forward. A hundred percent. And, and yeah fully fully i think the space is the space to have these conversations should be work actually and in some, not mm-hmm. you know, i think the, the the world of work is changing so so rapidly mm-hmm. um you know i think we need to humanize um <laughs> humanize yeah. hr <laughs> um, absolutely to, i uh, totally <laughs> I mean, that particularly now, because I think that, you know, for those who the cynical people might say, well, you know, you're just washing out you're just being a bit fluffy. We're not being fluffy <laughs> no. because actually we're being very business nosed here because an employer who s- takes seriously the well-being of their employees will not only attract and retain yeah, talent a lot more, but the the point is that hopefully the employee will feel more loyal to you and, and more satisfied with you and, and and actually be happier and healthier at work and i.e. be a more engaged and productive employee. So it's there's a lot of it's not just a nice to do, it's you know, in this day and age when the war for talent is on. Yeah need you know you want to get good people and you want to support them and you want them to stay with you and I was reading a great post the other day from a, a fellow uh, employee at my organization who um, has said she's the healthiest and happiest she's ever been in her life and the fittest she's ever been in her life because oh, wow. her employer has allowed her to have that flexibility she's she's does a lot of running and she's done this running and she's she's a very prolific employee really prodigious fantastic no one could accuse her of not, you know, skiving off. She does a lot, you know, she works hard, but she's taking the time to for her own well-being, for her own fitness. And as a result, she she's saying, I've got the best employer, or, you know, and that's yeah. what we want to wow. hear as an employer. Absolutely. That's what we want to hear, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. What a great, <laughs> you know, because that's, you know, um, that's why, why, we, why we're here really, isn't it, is to, get, to bring out the very best in people so that's a fantastic example and mm. um, some final thoughts so uh, final thoughts i guess Anne. so if, if people are listening to this and thinking how can i support my well-being <laughs> in the workplace <laughs> what would you what would you kind what kind of advice would you give to people well i mean first off you know make sure that you're um role modeling it so mm. talk about it um make sure that people know that you're being genuine and authentic you're not just yeah. giving it lip service you are you know, it might mean sharing a bit of yourself and, you know, we, as an authentic leader, I'm happy to do that, you know, but other people might not be. But I think you've definitely got to be role modelling it. Um, and I think the other thing is making a normal part of the the conversation, the one-to-ones. It's not yeah. like at the end, that, as you've just about you've finished, oh, by the way, how are you? You know, actually yeah. make it a core, start off with that, make it a core part of that conversation and a core part of your 
paperwork almost it's not a nice mm. to do it's it's yeah. it's make sure that it's threaded through you know your policies and your and your paperwork and stuff and there are other things as employers and i guess it depends on how many how much resources you have as an employer but you know we have um mental health first aiders um, yeah, okay. which is, so you have normal, you know, first aid, first aiders, but these are people who've had training to, as a first sort of line of support. You might have wellbeing champions. We've got wellbeing yeah. champions as well. And we've also got an assistance program. And because sometimes as a manager, you might, you, you, you're not expected to be a counsellor. You're not expected to, to know everything, but what you can do is, is know when your employee might need some extra support and have something that you can refer them to so that they can get that professional support as well. So there's yeah. lots of things I think that employers can do. And I think the other one, the final one I'd say is embrace flexibility. It's yeah, another one of these ones where we talk about it and we don't really always embody it. And yeah, a part-time yeah, yeah. employee, and I'm part-time, a part-time employee is not an employee who doesn't mean they're not serious about their job or their career. Um, it just means they've got other things in their life that, that are important to them as well. And they, yeah. you know, we need to change that narrative that you have to be full-time to be serious about work and part-time yes. is just for, you know, whatever it might be. And I think that that way you, you, you do get more out of people because – you know, they're they're just. I mean, I'm. I feel I've never been healthier and happier in my life, um, and I feel a lot of it is down to, you know, the steps I've taken to be part time and embrace that well being. Mm, mm, mm. And I think that definitely makes me a better employee. No Absolutely. question about it. That's fantastic. What a great example. And to hear from yourself as a mm. senior position that you're like, you know, what I'm part time too. Yeah. I think that, as you rightly say, the signal to flexible. You know, to mm. treating people flexible is is the key, really, mm. in terms of of the future. Oh, I have absolutely loved um our podcast and um really really enjoyed having you on the show. So thanks. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for asking me. <laughs> well, an absolute pleasure. I think there's lots of really great um uh nuggets in here that I think people will really appreciate. So mm. really really big big thanks from me. Um, thanks everyone for listening and stay safe. And I will speak to you all soon. Thank you. Thanks all. Bye, Bush. Bye. Bye. Bye.